Hola, bienvenido a la familia de Heritage Church. Hello and welcome to the Heritage Church family. Whether you are tuning in online in one of our online experiences or perhaps on KWQC, we want you to know we are so grateful that you are joining us this weekend. Heritage is one church in multiple locations in Bettendorf, Rock Island, here at the Esperanza Center in Moline, and at the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center. We are one church in multiple locations, worshiping across multiple languages. Dios te bendiga, vida nueva en familia. We are one church with one focus, seeking the flourishing of our cities, of the Quad Cities, by connecting people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. One thing we say a lot as a church family is that we don't go to church, but as followers of Jesus, we are the church. And in this season in which our doors have been closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are experiencing and living out this truth more and more every single day. Now, even though our physical locations are closed, the reality is the Heritage Church family is more active today than ever. In fact, I wanna share with you some ways that the Heritage Church family has been loving and serving the people of our cities in this past season. In the last week, we've had the privilege of serving 1,470 meals in partnership with the Moline School District right here in the Floresiente neighborhood. In this past Tuesday morning, we had the privilege of gathering here and assembling and delivering over 5,000 meals to 37 families at Jefferson Elementary. All of that done in partnership with the Riverbend Food Bank. This, in addition to our Esperanza Legal Assistance Center that continues to see and love and serve clients as they pursue the pathway to citizenship, all of these are ways that our heritage family is loving people in these uncertain times. And so today, as we step into worship together, may this be a time in which we declare together that God has been, is, and continues to do great things. And so wherever you find yourself today, whether in your living room, perhaps in your kitchen or in your car, I encourage you right now to lift your voices, lift your hands and declare that God is indeed doing great things. Let's worship together.
a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Those who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest of overflowing. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things. Sing hallelujah, and hallelujah, God, above it all. Sí, eres tú, así eres. 
siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, aunque no pueda ver estás sobrando, aunque no pueda ver estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando.
Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Spirit, we are thankful for the fact that you are already speaking to us, already here, no matter where we find ourselves, through the words of these songs, through the times that we have gathered together. God, you are already speaking. And so, Father, we pray that we would just respond to you right now. Wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, whether we're at our our home or watching on a screen, wherever we are, God, that we would respond to you because you're the one who, who steps towards us. You're the one who desires connection and relationship with us. And so we just say, Father, here we are. Here's our heart. Here's our attention. We're going to listen to you as we open your word together. We pray this all in your name. Amen. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord God, the one who made all things. Hey everybody, I want to welcome all of you. If uh, you've ever done a puzzle, you know that it can be fun or it can be frustrating. For me, it often depends on the image or the picture that the puzzle actually is and who I'm doing it with. Because puzzles have a bit of a social dynamic. In fact, my wife Beth, she loves to do a puzzle every time we go on vacation and we've been married long enough that that's part of my rhythm too. And maybe you and your family engage in puzzles or in this particular season during stay-at-home realities, maybe you've been doing a little bit of work on a few puzzles. But honestly, the difference between whether a puzzle is very satisfying or incredibly frustrating for me is how well all the pieces come together. Whether or not they fall into place. Whether I can see and understand where they all go. If I can figure that out, it's pretty satisfying. When I can't make sense of the pieces and how they fit together, that's pretty frustrating. Now, this particular puzzle is a thousand-piece puzzle of a couple of West Highland Terriers, dogs, which happens to be my wife's dream dog. And we don't have one, although we do have a cat whose name is Murphy, and he thinks he's a dog, which is probably good enough. But whether we're doing a puzzle with dogs or whether we're doing a puzzle with cats, there are dynamics in doing a puzzle that can help us move past some of the puzzling things about life and God. Even help us figure out and find some of the missing pieces for how we relate to Him. See, coming out of our Easter weekend, we as a church began a conversation that we're just simply calling, Look Up. It's really an invitation to look to Jesus in all things, in opportunities and challenges in spaces of weakness and strength, in places of health or sickness. It's looking to Him in all things, because when we're willing to look to Him, He responds. Where we look and who we look to in life matters. And, and when we look to God, He answers. He, he responds. He cares. In fact, more than that, He sacrificed significantly so that you and I can connect with Him in relationship. He did that through Jesus if we're willing to look up, if we're willing to look to Him. Now, this look up conversation is anchored in a psalm, Psalm 121, where the psalmist declares, I lift my eyes to the mountains. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, that psalmist is making a declaration, but it is also an invitation for us, for us to do the same thing that they said, to look to him for help. And if we do, he responds. It's true that he is our help. He is our source of help in any circumstance if we will look up, if we will look to him. So looking to him Talking to Him, praying to God is one of the primary ways that you and I can look up. One of the primary ways that we begin to connect relationally with Him. 
In fact, here's the thing about prayer. Prayer isn't about prayer. <laughs> prayer is about presence. Prayer is about the presence of God. It's about seeking Him. It's about being next to Him. It's about experiencing Him, being with Him, looking to Him in all things. And it's essential. It's essential to experiencing life and relationship in Him. And because prayer is really more about proximity to Him and presence, it's, it's important for us if we're going to overcome any obstacle, any complexity in life. Prayer is a space that we can access His power by faith as we wait in His presence. Yet, it's not just a space for us to gain understanding about ourselves or to satisfy our own needs. It's a space to experience His presence. And it's the avenue by which He responds with His help, that He responds with His strength. Prayer is the greatest privilege on earth, and it's meant for us to be a pathway to look to Him, to look to Him in all things. But, like many things in life, knowing what we're to do is only the beginning. We also need to move towards understanding how we do it, how we actually lean into looking up to Him. And this is where the puzzle comes back into play for us. This is where it becomes helpful for us again. You see, it's helpful when doing a puzzle to be able to look at and see the box top. The, the box top gives the big picture. It gives an understanding of where the intended outcome should be in a puzzle when it's put together. Now, it's a lot harder to put the puzzle together and we don't have it. If, if I were just to offer you a bunch of pieces, all these pieces, and say, hey, how about you put this, piece, this puzzle together? You might be able to do it, but it would be a lot easier if you had access to the box top, if you could see the intended outcome, if you knew what you were working towards and how all the pieces fit together. It's a lot harder when we don't have the big picture. You really want to have access to the box top, to know that in this puzzle it's a couple of little white dogs. And when we have the big picture, we begin to make sense of how the pieces all fit together. It's a lot easier with the box top, which is really a no-brainer. But a couple of years ago, I came across a scientific study that took two groups of people. They gave both groups the same puzzle, but gave one group the box top and one group did not have the box top. And the researchers out of this study determined something, wait for it, determined that the group with the box top was able to put the puzzle together faster than the group without the box top. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> you know, it, it may seem incredibly simple that it would be easier to put a puzzle together with the box top. But it's true. It's true that with the big picture, we can begin to make sense of where the pieces fit. Without the big picture, we struggle to understand the intended outcome. We struggle to make sense of the pieces, and we end up guessing a lot. And it's true with a puzzle, but it's also true with the things of God. When we don't have an understanding of how we relate to Him, we don't have an understanding of how we look to Him, how I even have a sense of how all the pieces fit together, we end up guessing a lot. We end up guessing about Him and about life and eternity. It can feel like we're, we're just trying to navigate through a bunch of pieces rather than a comprehensive, holistic item that we can actually see and understand and know Him in. See, when we end up guessing, we end up missing out on the fullness of who He is. But what I want to do today is I want to give you the box top. I want to give you the box top for what it means to look up to look to Him in all things. Because how we actually know Him happens in a particular sequence. You know, in a way, the Bible is in and of itself a bit of a box top. It, it provides framework for us in how we relate to God. It gives all kinds of information. But there are some specific things that Jesus said that help us understand how we can look to Him. And one of those things is found in John chapter 14. Now, let me just read what he says. This is John 14, starting with verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Pretty clear. He says, look, if you love, you will demonstrate that in obedience and following my commands. He's hooking those two things together. But let's just drop down to verse 21 in the same chapter, where he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. See, in a handful of words, Jesus inextricably links love and obedience He's saying in reality, look, if you love me, you will obey. And if you live in a faithfulness and obedience, you are demonstrating your love. He's actually saying affinity and compliance are not the same as love and obedience. Love and obedience are things that are connected, and they cannot be separated. If we love, we will obey. And when we demonstrate 
out of obedience, our love, it proves what, we're, what we believe and how we live in relationship to him. So here's what I want to unpack a bit further on this. In fact, I, I want to give you the box top. And maybe we can just use the, the other part of this box here. You see, when Jesus in John 14 says that if we love him, we will obey his commands, he is saying that love and obedience are inextricably linked. That if we love, we will obey, and when we obey, we demonstrate our love. This is a reality, and, and sometimes you and I can struggle to demonstrate our love in obedience or to demonstrate obedience in a way that's not just simple compliance, but actually a demonstration of love. The, the reality is that they are connected, but the problem is they're not connected directly. There's actually a bigger picture. There's a, a process by which we can live in love and obedience. See, one of the realities for Jesus is that he wants to be known. He, he, he reveals himself in creation. He reveals himself through scripture, through the spirit. Uh, in, in fact, in, in the early part of John 14, in verse 1 and verse 7 and verse 11, Jesus says, look, I am the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In John chapter 10, he says that, the, that he and the Father are one. And, and God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, want to be known. They want relationship with us. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And so out of a desire to have relationship with us, God the Father and Jesus the Son demonstrate love in a way that they can be known. In fact, God is himself love. He does nothing apart from love. And, and we actually can love because he first loved us. And Jesus, being on the cross and emptying a tomb, is the ultimate expression of that love. And so for us, the invitation is to know him and then to love him because he himself is love. And if we know him, we will love him in return. Now, it doesn't stop there or drop directly just to obedience. We're actually positioned to choose a posture of trust. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love always trusts. And if we know the Lord, if we love him, we will choose to trust him. It's inherent. It's part of loving is stepping in trust and belief. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. He'll, he'll direct your path. If we know him, we love him. And if we love him, we will trust him. But this is where we get to our very first real choice. And that is the choice to obey, the, the, the choice to choose to be faithful. If we choose to be faithful, it leads to knowing him more. If we don't choose faithfulness, we don't choose obedience, then it actually starts to backtrack. If we don't obey, it means we don't trust. And if we don't trust, it means we don't love. And if we don't love, it means we don't really know him. Because when we know him, we will love him. And when we love him, we will trust him. And when we trust him, we choose obedience. And when we choose obedience, then that positions us to step into a space where we experience him and knowing him more. That we can see him more clearly. We can know him more fully. And as we know him, we love him. We love him, we trust him, we trust him, we obey him. And this leads us in a deeper, ongoing process as long as we choose our part of obedience and faithfulness in looking to him. Okay, so how do we know that this is true? How, do we, how can we be sure that this is how it works? Well, here's the crazy cool thing. What Jesus says in the very next part of John 14 tells us this reality. Let's just go back to it for a moment. This is John 14, verse 21, the last part of it. He says, The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them, which is great. But here's the nuance. And he says, And show myself to them. Show myself to them. Whenever we, out of love, choose obedience, we get to know him more because he shows himself to us. This is how we look up. This, this is how we look to him and how we experience his help in life. It's how it works in our dynamic. And you may say, okay, I get it. Uh, you may even want it. You may understand it. But it seems like God's more complicated than this, isn't he? It's, it, he's more distant. He's more removed. It's, it, can't just be this simple. Life is complicated. And the reality is, yeah, life is complicated. But we can know him when we look to him. This is how it works. Because of his great love for us, we are invited to experience and know him. If we'll look to him, if we'll demonstrate obedience and faithfulness, we can experience knowing, loving, and trusting in greater levels, in greater ways. 
This is how it works. We can be known just as we are fully known. In fact, one of the realities about Jesus, in Jesus, we find a love we never have to question. We find a love we never, don't ever have to question. There's no reason to question it. He has made the ultimate sacrifice. He has proven his power, and he always keeps his promises. In Jesus, we find a love we never have to question. And it's out of that love that we can choose faithfulness and then experience him at another level as he shows himself to us. Yet, you know, sometimes I think it's helpful to process these realities as we look at how they play out in the life of other people. And I want to invite you to see how this dynamic played out in the life of a friend named Hannah. So take a look at this. So I was born in California. I lived there until I was about three, four years old. Um, my dad got transferred to Illinois um, and we moved. My mom was pretty sick at the time, going through a lot um, with that. And in the midst of all that, her and I never really got to build a relationship together. Um, I was always fending for myself, kind of doing my own thing. Um, we moved a lot in that time um, and I had terrible experiences with churches. Um, it essentially turned me away. Um, I became a non-believer for a long time. I struggled with a lot of mental health issues uh, growing up. Um, it ranged from depression, um, and at my worst, I was bulimic. Um, I was bulimic for about seven years, um, and I did that all on my own. Um, I didn't have a close relationship with anyone in my family, um, and I didn't open up to friends or anything like that, mentors, nothing. I ended up going to Ambrose, strangely enough. Um, I got a scholarship, and I battled with those professors day in, day out. God is not real. This is all made up. I can prove it. I remember I was sitting in a classroom one day, and my professor was just going on and on about God and God this, God that. And it was just like going in one ear and out the other. I didn't care to hear it. Um, and I was feeling pretty low anyways that day. Um, and I went to the bathroom actually, and I was sitting on the bathroom floor, and I was just tears rolling down my face. And I was just pondering, you know, like, why am I here? I don't want to be here. I hate my life. There's nothing for me here. Um, my phone rang, and um, it was my brother. And my brother was my one go-to um, for most of my life, but at the time he was deployed in Afghanistan. Um, and so a phone call was a rare, a rare thing. And so I picked up the phone, and, and he goes, Sis, I don't know why I'm calling you right now. I can't talk, but I just need you to know I love you and I care about you. And click, he hung up the phone, and that was it. Um, I just sat there, and I mean, I look back now, and I'm like, that was God saying, open the door, let me in. Um, but I didn't. I didn't recognize that. I didn't see it. Um, and so I just kept going on with my life. Um, I eventually met someone who really helped me through my bulimia, and I broke free of that in 2014. And in 2016, I got hired at Jefferson Elementary School as the Family Involvement Liaison, and I was in charge of quite a few different um, community involvement projects, but one being our food pantry, and that's where Heritage came in. So they came in twice a month to serve our families, um, and I'm not gonna lie, the first time I met all of them, I thought they were absolutely nuts. And so there was one person, though, that would walk up to me every time, and all she would say was, I just prayed for you this week, and she's like, if you wanna go to church with me, just let me know. Sure enough, I found myself in the back of the church on Easter Sunday, uh, 2017. Um, tears rolling down my face, and I remember the worship team, they were singing, um, I am a child of God. I remember just like falling into my seat and just thinking to myself, my life is never gonna be the same. Um, I walked out of that church a different person with a ton of questions. <laughs> and I met with Nancy later that week, um, and I remember she looked at me and she just said, you know, God will never love you more or less than what he loves you right now. And in that moment, I, I realized like, it's okay. Like all of those things that I did or said, you know, all those years of not believing, it's okay. From that moment on, I, I accepted, you know, Christ as my savior. And I'd been considering, you know, like what is my next step? I, I prayed about that a lot, you know, what is next? I prayed that over and over again. And I just, you know, it came and I need to get baptized. I need that fresh start.
I felt just completely new. I think it was just like I had fully accepted who I was as a new person and that person with God and that's what I needed to just be like, heck yeah, this is who I am now, you know, like this is truly me, it's you and me, God. When you come up out of the water, it's like you're one and you're one with God and I think that the moment is just like, you know, they talk about just look up to the mountain, you know, and just, goodness, just realize that like, you are not alone in darkness and in day and there's no time when you're alone. No one, no one is ever alone. Even when I look back and I'm sitting there on the bathroom floor for all those hours, I was never alone. I didn't know that I wasn't alone. I didn't have my heart open to the Lord, but I was never alone. My name is Hannah Reed, and this is my resurrection story. When Hannah chose to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. She found freedom and hope and healing. She found a fresh start when she looked to Him. And she realized that she was not alone, that she never was alone. And so now when she looks to Him, she sees Him, she experiences Him. The Lord shows Himself more to her and then reveals more of His love for her and she can see who she is more clearly in light of who he is. That's what happens when we look to him. And in that dynamic, she can celebrate and even be radiant. You can see it in her face, hear it in her, hear it in her voice. In fact, she can be like David. This is, the David is the guy who fought Goliath. He actually wrote a number of Psalms. And in Psalm 34, he says something that I think I see very clearly in Hannah's experience and can be the same for you and I. Psalm 34, Verse 4 and 5, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. That's Hannah. And that can be you and I when we choose to look to him. Looking up is not about what we experience. It's about where we look in whatever we experience. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. We can control where we look, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And when we look to Jesus, he leads us deeper and deeper into relationship and awareness of who he is. And, and like Hannah, if we're willing to seek his presence in prayer, if we're willing to study what he has said in his word, the Bible. And if we're willing to listen to what he asks us to do and demonstrate that in obedience, we can know him. And there is so much more to know about him, more than we even realize. Jesus came before and he's coming back again, but he invites us to know him now. And in that space, prayer is the means by which we can do that. The Holy Spirit is our guide. And the Bible is our foundation, the framework for leaning into relationship where the pieces start together, where we can know a love that we never have to question. That's the beauty of looking to him and looking up. For there is no promise too difficult that he can't fulfill. There is no prayer too hard for him to answer. And there is no problem too complex that he can't solve. If you and I are willing to look up, to look to him in all things and to demonstrate a sincere love in sincere, faithful obedience. All of that is true about him. But here's something else that's true about him. He can't and he won't make us obey. This is often the missing piece for most of us, an unwillingness to be faithful, an unwillingness to simply do what he asks and to be obedient. If we don't do this, then we can't know Him. If we're willing to obey, though, and step in faithfulness, then we can, no matter our circumstances. And when we lift our head, we can see Him, and we can know Him more fully and experience His love at a greater level as we step in trust and obedience and relationship with Him. All we need to do is step humbly before Him, offering all that we are to Him, and committing to be faithful in our walk with Him. He's actually wanting and waiting 
for you to turn to Him, to look to Him today so that He can impart more of who He is to you in power, in knowledge, in love, in any circumstances that you sit in. And if you're actually ready to do that, it's, it's a decision that involves a conversation and some significant steps, the same steps that Hannah took in her own journey, steps of acknowledging who He is. It really starts with saying, look, God, I know, I recognize that you are a holy God. I acknowledge that you alone are God, recognizing that Jesus demonstrated love on the cross and in emptying a tomb. It starts with acknowledging who He is and acknowledging the love that He has for us, but then also acknowledging that we're not holy, we have sin in our life, and that we need His forgiveness out of His sacrifice. But then we choose to trust, we choose to believe, we choose to walk in faithfulness and give Him authority in our life by demonstrating obedience and faithfulness along the way. And when we do, we get to know Him more. We get to experience the fullness of life in Him. We get to experience His resurrection power in us, His life at work in us. And doing that in a prayer, in a conversation moment, positions us to step more fully with Him and allows us to move forward in the process of knowing Him at deeper and deeper levels. It's a choice that we each get to make. If you're still processing what that looks like, I want to encourage you to check out the notes tab if you're online. You'll find some, some information about how to step towards looking to Jesus. If, if you're not online, you can download the note guide at heritageqc.com. But as you continue to process, I want to invite you to take the next step to really start wherever you are and to move towards Him in choosing trust and choosing obedience and accepting the love that He has or just acknowledging who He is and looking to Him. If you do choose that, if you choose to walk in relationship to Jesus, we would love to know and point you to some next steps so that you can walk more fully in relationship with Him. In fact, I want to encourage you to simply text the word LOOK to 309-250-2007. If you're willing to do that, we'll send you a link to a PDF that just gives you some next steps for walking in the fullness of relationship with Him, to know Him more and love Him more, trust Him more and step more faithfully with Him as you experience Him more fully, looking up to Him, looking to Him as a source of life and hope and peace. You know, as a beloved son and daughter of the Most High God, you are not alone. And as you continue to process the conversation we're having, as you continue to process the ability to make sense of the pieces that you've bumped into about Him and your life, I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer as we step back towards even a moment of worship together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Jesus, I thank you that you came and demonstrated who you are and you demonstrated your love so that we would step in trust and obedience to you. And that when we do, you show us more of who you are. We get to walk deeper with you. When we're willing to look to you, we're willing to give you authority, we're willing to trust you with all that we are, you respond faithfully to us. And I thank you that in you, we find a love we never have to question. So I pray even now, as we pray together, as we experience your presence in this moment, that you would speak and lead each one of us, that each one listening today would know what you're saying and inviting them to take a next step so that they can make sense of the pieces of their life, the pieces of the puzzle that haven't quite fit together for them, will come together in their knowledge and understanding of you out of a love that you have for us, that we return as we demonstrate trust and obedience to you. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your sacrifice. And I thank you for the willingness you have to allow us to walk with you. I pray this in your holy and precious name, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.
God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And I also love that as Heritage, we've been a part of helping each other and the community around us encounter and experience the fulfillment of so many of those promises in these days, the promises of presence and hope and peace. And you know, we are part of God writing an incredible story in these days, as you heard earlier. We encourage you to check out ways where you can be part of what God is doing in the story he's writing by heading to heritageqc.com and checking out the different teams and opportunities that we have, as well as partnering with us in hopeful partnership and radical generosity through giving in a number of ways. We also want you to have a great sense of who we are and what God is continuing to do in and through us together. So check out this conversation we recently had with our Heritage family about who we are, what we value, and where God is leading us together. As one church family across locations, languages, and generations, we're more committed than ever before to living out God's heart for each of us to thrive. Our invitation is to pursue Jesus and His purpose through authentic love, intense spirituality, faithful risk, radical generosity, hopeful partnership, and passionate mission. This is what we value. This is where we're headed. This is our heritage. As part of our heritage journey, we've heard heritage stories. Those stories of some of our people who are living out these values in incredible ways. Stories of transformation, of hope, of Jesus being made real in and through them. Authentic love positions us. 
when we embrace authentic love, it positions us. It, it, it gives us opportunity. It allows us access. It gives us purpose, a readiness, and a willingness. Authentic love positions us for the purpose God has. And, and the, that intense spirituality, it is something that enables. Intense spirituality empowers us. It gives us strength. It gives us focus. It gives us influence, the ability to lean into the hardship of the, of the good work he calls us to, to, to really make a difference in every moment of every day where we're listening or talking in any space with any person. It's for you and me. It's for us as a church family. Bruce's life was changed when he connected and began to journey with a mentor, someone who helped him to see and know what it means to pursue Jesus in intense spirituality. I was by myself at home at night, and uh, just kind of a tearjerker moment with me and God. But I mean, I just kind of come unglued, like, what are, what's the purpose? I don't understand, you know. And, and uh, that very next morning, I was sitting there at my desk with the coffee and the Bible was sitting right there, and I was just sitting there looking at it. And uh, and God spoke to me, I had that small voice, do it now. I, was, I heard it, do it now. I opened the Bible, I just started reading it, and it was, it was different. You know, and it spoke to me and, and um, it opened my eyes. Notice those phrases in that passage, right? Training for godliness, hard work, continual struggle, spiritual health does not and will not appear out of nowhere in your life. It's going to take practice. It's going to take work and commitment and intention, discipline, and yes, spirit-infused help. I do things I would have never done, you know. I mean, um, praying for people in public, you know. Somebody at Hy-Vee or at the Y or even even guys at work that are asking for prayer now that I never could have done it before. I never had the boldness to do it before. And now it's like, uh, it's like God opens these doors and enables you to do the things He wants you to do for Him. It's not about what we have in life. It's about how we live our life. It's, it's not about an action. It's, it's about a posture. It isn't, isn't necessarily simply about giving. It's about being. It's about being willing to step in bold obedience and trust, to be radical in our generosity and faithful in the risks we take. It's how God invites us into spaces, and when we live that way, incredible things happen. Terry gave us a picture of what faithful risk and radical generosity can look like when we choose obedience. It's an adventure Terry stepped into when he left the stability, security, and comfort of his management job, instead using the skills learned through a career in manufacturing to invest in the men of the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center. I really kind of felt convicted that, um, you know, I've placed you here to do something and you know, good intentions aren't getting it done. I've, you know, you're in this exact point in time and place, you know, for a reason. You know, and the issue was about, had a lot to do with trust. If you really, if you really believe in more than just saying it, you know, in prayer and, and talking about it to people, if you really believe that you trust the Lord, then He'll take care of you. And he has. Faithfulness is our responsibility. Fruitfulness, the results, the impact, the, the life change, the, you know, that's God's responsibility. But what happens so often with us is when we feel Holy Spirit prompt us to, whether it's to risk or to give, we try to war game out the whole scenario because we want to guarantee that, if, hey, if I'm going to be generous, then I need to know that there's going to be results, right? I'm not the only one that deals with this. But the reality is that's not our responsibility. We can't own that. We can't control that. But the reality is, that's God's role. Because fruitfulness is God's responsibility. For over the last five years, Heritage has worked in partnership with our friends at Jefferson School in Davenport. God has used us to help address food and clothing insecurity among children and in creating spaces for vulnerable children and families to live in even greater dignity. When I came into this building five years ago, you know, we are a title building in the district. Um, been in the bottom five on our math scores and our rating scores for years and years. Um, through some of these things and being able to take these kids from, you know, where they were to where they are now, we, for example, you know, we had the highest second grade math scores in the whole district this past year. We have had some of the greatest gains um, in a lot of grade levels. God's mission 
is to see all of humanity restored and reconciled into right relationship with him. That's his mission. And guess what? God's mission has a church. Our heritage is part of that church. That church that is all in with God's mission for the world. As we've been faithful in these cities, God has given us opportunity to work with vulnerable children around the world, especially through partnerships like Zoe, which works with child-headed households. These are children who were once without hope of food, shelter, and security, now forming new families together. Our children at Heritage completely funded our first investment in Zoe by raising and sending over $6,700. This allowed us to launch our first empowerment group called The Conquerors. And our commitment to empower, enrich, and elevate others. And the way we really try to stay mindful of this is that we ask ourselves the question all the time, who's the hero of the story? Understanding that in our own stories, Jesus is the hero of our story. And then we want to help people understand that Jesus can be the hero of their story also. And so we try to get out of the way and make sure that there's nothing standing in the way of people connecting to Jesus. It takes the spirit of the risen Jesus to fill us to overflowing with all that he is. It takes the spirit of the risen Jesus to go before us and ahead of us. And the reason, part of the reason we're talking about this is I believe God wants this to be part of the heritage we are building together, of our heritage together. It will take the spirit of Jesus. It will take us choosing authentic love and pursuing Christ together in intense spirituality. It will take radical generosity as we've never seen it before. It will take faithful risk and hopeful partnership and being on passionate mission together, but it is so worth it. It will take all of this and more, but we get to do it together. Respect has been our school's foundation piece the past 12 school years, and it really drives so many of the things we do in our programming and in relationship to our students and to their families. So the relationship that we have with Heritage is one of the best relationships and Heritage plays a very big uh, part in the success of our students in this building. You have the Marshall Market. The Marshall Market is that safe haven of some of these students that cannot or do not have the resources to have food. Since January of 2017, the Esperanza Legal Assistance Center has served 412 individuals in a variety of ways. Laura Donna's is one of those stories. A story that involves the Legal Assistance Center helping her walk a journey toward citizenship, even though that journey once seemed impossible. So I say, oh my goodness, she finally, somebody finally believed in me, you know? Somebody finally believed in what I'm saying is true. And um, I remember the day when we, I had that interview after all the process and the long waiting. I was completely trusting God, knowing He will do whatever He do as His will. And He did it. He bring me a paper and say, congratulations, you are a citizen. And this is my story. All of these stories reveal that Jesus is alive and that he is alive in us. As we seek the peace and prosperity of our region, we do so by choosing Christ's kingdom over our own comfort, by wanting more for than from others, as we connect with God, with one another, and with our purpose together. Thank you for being part of seeing Jesus call things to new life, redeeming and restoring things here and beyond. Thank you for walking this journey of who we are, what we value, and where we're headed. Thank you for being part of our heritage.